of Arab Africa Coaching, and you are listening to Coffee and Stars podcast, a platform for candid and unconventional narratives about the place of the young African woman in society. In this episode, I speak to an influential lady who is supporting children through mentorship and coaching. She is also known as the boys' doctor because she works a lot on initiative with boys in Ghana, West Africa. We talk about the road less traveled in this episode. My guest today is Ethel Malfo. Welcome, Ethel. Please introduce yourself and tell us why you are called the boy's doctor. Hello, Annette. I'm happy to be on your show today. And my name, as you said, is Ethel Malfo, and um, I'm also known as the boy's doctor. I am an educator. Um, I am also um, an author of um, youth development books, um, an adventure I started recently, and um, I am a philanthropist, and then most importantly, an advocate for boys. I'm very passionate about personal development for boys. The things that we take for granted when raising our young boys is something that I am very particular of, and so I'm taking it a notch higher by having a structured program boys all right thank you very much Ethel. this sounds very interesting and i am grateful that you accepted to speak on coffee and stars today so tell us when did all this start why did you start doing this thing with boys because often um since it's a patriarchal society and we see that a lot of boys have more opportunities it is girls that we focus attention on. But tell me why you found this as an interesting thing to do. So there's a story behind it. I worked in corporate for about 15 years in marketing and public relations. That was my corporate career. And so at the point when I started having a family, as in having children, um, I took a career break to focus on the children, because I had three children in three years. And so they were very young and I needed to just devote some time in their fundamental stages to make sure that they, they were okay to an extent where I could go back to work. So what happened was um, I started thinking of entrepreneurial initiatives that I could take on. I'm somebody that I always want to get my hands busy. So I started thinking of entrepreneurial initiatives that I could do whilst paying attention to my little ones. And at a time, um, as an entrepreneur, we make more impact when we solve problems. So at the time, the biggest problem I, I had or the biggest challenge I had was getting my daughter's hair done. So anytime we went to the normal adult salon, we were like, you know, a, a force to reckon with because all oh, my daughters would be crying and all that. We were like a burden to the salon. I said, why wouldn't I open a salon for my girls? so that my girls can benefit and other, na other neighbors in my community can also bring their daughters. So I started it in 20, uh, somewhere 2012. And so as I opened the salon, it wasn't just girls that were coming, boys were also coming with their sisters. And um, I started developing an interest in the, difference, the differences between boys and girls. And um, I had a mini library in my salon. 
whenever girls and boys came, the girls were more, you know, interested in reading and the boys would rather want to play, jump from one side of the salon to the other. They would scatter all my salon items on the floor. They would not pick it back. The girls would rather be seen picking it back and arranging for me. And the boys would never take a book to read. They would rather be just distracted. So I got concerned and I told the parents um, at the salon who was waiting for her daughter's head to be done. And I said, I just don't get it. Why are boys like this? And she just goes like, oh, boys will be boys. I mean, just leave them to play. And I said, no, I think I want to change the status quo. I think that if we are deliberate about raising boys' rights, um, I think we'll have a different breed of men in the next decade or two to come. So I didn't take it lightly on the observation I made at my salon. I took it a step higher. I discussed with my husband and told him, this is some an observation I've made. And I think that I want to take it a step higher. I registered an NGO in 2015. And so it took off from then. So um, my first batch of students started in December 2015 with about um, 15 boys. Yes. So I started it uh, once a month session. I brought in mentors. You know, we used to do it at Christ the King School every month on Sundays. That's very nice and interesting, Ethel. Congratulations on taking this initiative on. So and I have another question. Seriously, though, what is in in our society that allows for boys to be raised in a certain way and girls not to be raised in that way? So I'll give you an example. In in the home. And maybe we, we blame it on um, what is patriarchy. In their home, girls have a lot more responsibility. They, they are socialized different. Girls have more chores to do. Sometimes the boys don't do anything. And it goes down to also show even when they are parents, because the woman will mostly have the... The taking care of the children as their responsibility, cooking, doing all that. And our modern day women and the people who are of our generation are women who um, are also working and trying to fulfill their potential. And they have all this work to do. So the woman has three jobs and the man has one job. And sometimes women also contribute a lot to the home as well. So what is in the upbringing of boys that allows boys to be boys, but girls to be well-groomed. I have another question, but I want to take this one. Okay, so it's a cultural thing. And, you know, it's very hard to break culture. Um, it's something that has been passed on from generations to generations that um, that make men feel entitled. We have, um, we've had for a long time uh, men being seen as providers. Okay, they have major role, especially in Africa, we've just put the man's role as a role of provision. He just provides the rest of the, um, you know, catering for children, nurturing children, and taking care of the home is all about the woman. But um, if we look at the developing countries, the developed societies, we, we, we can see that teamwork has brought them further in their advancement as a nation. And so if, if, we, if we're supposed to, um, if, if we want to change the narrative, it has to do with the generation of boys that we are raising now, okay? The fact that we've been doing certain things um, in a certain way in the past does not mean that there are good cultures to adapt in the present if we want to move forward as a nation. Because if we are investing so much in empowering the girl child, 
to be ambitious, to be um, forthright in, in, in getting um, her, 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 her voice heard. Um, are we investing in men to accept them? I think no, we're not deliberately doing that. And so there's going to be a point um, in, in their lives or, or in the lives of future women where they will have safe opposition from men because um, they didn't prepare to receive such um, women in the near future. And so this is why I'm so passionate. I'm preparing the men who will be able to cope with tomorrow's women. That is the whole agenda of um, GSA, you know, Junior Shapers Africa, to prepare those men who will be ready to cope with tomorrow's women that we are tirelessly empowering, you know, every day. Answer, <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me, what kind of resistance have you had since you started this initiative? Do people understand the vision, what you are trying to do? Do people get you? You've done it for six Seven years? Yes, six to seven years six now. Six to seven years now. So what kind of resistance have you have you faced so far? Well, um, I would say that I think the resistance, I, I really don't really um, recall much resistance. It's been more of a positive, you know, um, how do I say, acceptance. Um, it's been more like it's about time. I always get it's about time we do this. So I would say if there's been any resistance, it's been from, let's say that a mother thinks that her boy needs grooming and the father doesn't think so because their father, um, the father does things in the old way and um, is thinking that you are taking my child for grooming. Aren't I good enough um, to raise our son? And the mother thinks that, no, I, I don't think that you have all the qualities I want to see in my my son in future. So I want my son to be exposed. And so there's that friction in, in some homes where the man doesn't think that uh, the mother signing up the son is necessary. And so that's the resistance I've got from men who live in their old mentality, men, the cavemen, you know. <laughs> but with time, I've had men registering their sons. And so it's a positive thing. Um, for instance, my boot camp last year, I had about about 30% of fathers who registered their sons. Um, initially, it used to be like 80% or 90% of mothers who are like, I don't like my some behaviors that my man is exhibiting and I don't want my boy to copy it. So if you have some good role models who come and talk to the boys, I'd like my son to be part of it so that he can learn from other men. So, um, Annette, I think it's been more of, it's about time. Yes, and I love that. Yes. <laughs> That's an interesting answer. And I think I if I suspected so because um a lot of times even in the home when mothers try to give some of the boys some responsibility, like just learn how to cook so that you can support the home and support yourself when you're on your own or maybe sweep or do something. Survival skills. Yes. Sometimes the men think that you are turning their son you are into... feminizing their boys. Yes. You are turning them to Kojo Besia or a man doesn't go into the kitchen or doesn't clean or doesn't cook. So I think that I was expecting that some of the men would not understand that the grooming that you do is to actually help to support good role role modeling from the boys. What are, can we do to make the men understand? Well, I think that um, there's a saying that it's easier to 
build boys that made broken men. So I have taken this um, in an approach where I'm focusing on the younger ones. You know, they are the future. You know, they are the ones that in the next decade or two are going to be in leadership positions, are going to be getting married. So let's allow the um, older men to, 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 excuse me to use the word, to die out slowly, but let's invest more in the younger ones, you know, and let's, um, since women are more um, understanding and are naturalists, I focus more on educating women about the importance of raising boys right because um, it's, it's, it makes future families better. You are not going to be having complaints from your daughter-in-law. Oh, this is your son. Oh, he, I mean, he's, he's so bad at helping me at home and all that. You're not going to be having all that headache. So if you want to be a mother-in-law who will have your peace of mind, invest now in your son because um, tomorrow's women have been empowered. Um, you're not going to have, you know, um, stay-at-home moms. Even if you're going to have stay-at-home moms, she's going to be an ambitious one. She's not just going to be a stay-at-home mom. And so she'll... she'll, she'll she would appreciate um, some level of support from your son. How well have you prepared your son to be a team player at home? Okay, so um, for the men, if they're listening to me, I think the best you can do is be a good role model to your son. Let your son uh, normalize cooking, normalize helping your wife. If you've not tried it before, you can start in bits, you know, some things, some roles that your wife takes on. You can just start helping um, small, small, you know, take on some responsibilities at home so your son will know that it is normal to help your wife or to help a woman, you know, just be a team player at home. Yes. All right. Thank you very much, Ethel. So before coming here, I was reflecting a little bit on something related to mentorship. Because I work in rural communities, I see a lot of, um, a lot of, young people being mentored and coached by NGOs, people trying to support. But what I have seen over time is that sometimes, because these people live in a certain system, even though they are receiving the mentorship or they are receiving all this grooming, they tend to adapt to what society um, is. People. So I was just reflecting that are these efforts actually yielding fruit? Because the person will come back and live in the society and people, when they face resistance, it's easier to go with their flow than to go against the tide. And so what can we do to influence society itself to make sure that there's a system that supports what we want to do, support the idea. Because we talked about culture. These things are rooted in culture, it's rooted in religion. And sometimes when you talk in places that it's not accepted, people think that it's normal. Like there are lots of things. Some someone even said that well, women, when they are giving power, is dangerous because, <laughs> because women are so powerful. A woman who is educated, if you put a woman who is educated and a man who is educated, the man doesn't stand a chance against the woman. And so that is why you shouldn't put power in the hand of the woman. And I found it so interesting. And these are people who have gone to university. They understand. I even had one colleague, very brilliant young man, said, no woman will beat me in the economics class. And I'm like, 
what is within a woman's brain that doesn't make so all these kind of stereotypes and ideas, stigma, all these things are rooted in the minds of people. And these people have formed our society. What do we do now? That's a very, very important question. So even before I really answer the question, my, our boys, when they come to our meetings, we tell them that, look, they know we are teaching you some of these things and you are, you are here comparing, oh, your dad, even what they are saying, your dad is not living up to it. I mean, so why the stress? But um, we tell them that you, you are responsible for your personal development. Mm -hmm. No matter what society is doing, you are responsible, you are accountable for your personal development as an individual. So take this as a personal mission to change the narrative, okay? It takes one person to make a change, okay? So there'll be resistance. We always orient them about the fact that there will be resistance, but be responsible for your personal development as a human being. And we show them images, videos of people who have lived um, um, exceptional lives re regardless of resistance. Mandela, you know, we have people, Martin Luther King, we have people, examples who had to, you know, break the odds to make a statement so they should live like one of those. And when it comes to a society where I mean, they all believe in a certain mentality and we are mentoring someone in that society. It's hard. But um, we make sure that we find opinion leaders there. You know, you have to kind of identify certain opinion leaders that people respect. So when you're able to get that opinion leader and he starts exhibiting some of these things, it's easier to, you know, copy him and to accept him. But if you as an organization just go there, oh, like JSA, I'm mentoring boys, boys come. I mean, when they go back home, I mean, it will be watered down, like, you know. Uh -huh. So it's um, important that we identify opinion leaders in the society and make them know reason or reasons why it's important to change the narrative because their granddaughters will benefit, okay? Their nieces will benefit in the future. Society is changing. We, we weren't using certain grades of phones. Today, some child in China has done this phone for us to be using. Why can't our children, our girls and our boys, you know, come out of archaic cultures and do better when there is better synergy between men and women? Okay, so it's about tact. It's about identifying opinion leaders who can change the narrative on behalf of NGOs like us, you know. And it's about orienting the person we are mentoring that, look, your environment that you're coming from does not accept these, but you have to make a statement as, a, as an individual. You have to live a legacy as an individual. Yeah, you have to live a legacy as an individual. That's really great. So tell me about some of the impact stories that you've had so far. What, what is the feedback you are receiving? What kind of impact? Um, okay, so... Um, most of the time, when parents um, are registering their boys, we ask them, what are your expectations? And so most of the time, some boys are very smart, they're book smart. I mean, AAA and everything. But they lack organizational skills, they lack planning, they lack, they lack time management skills. So those are the little, little skills, personal development skills that we hammer on. So we have parents calling in to say that, oh, my boy was a judge, the, the, the most disciplined boy at school. Those are the stories that make me so happy. My boy was a judge, the neatest boy 
in class. Uh, my boy is now more orderly. He, he sets goals. We teach them how to set goals. So he, he he's able to organize himself in such a way that he scored higher in his exams because he, he sets academic goals for himself. He reads twice a day. You know, so those little, little things make us know that our program is making impact. That's how we measure the program. And we also make sure that whenever boys attend our program, they do journals, kind of journaling their experiences at the camp. And when you read their journals, it's so encouraging that, oh, you like all this, you know? So those are the little, little ways. But you know, there's a saying that the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. And so um, as a person with a growth mindset, I'm not looking at reaping my fruits today. I know that in two decades from now, some women will be calling me and saying, hello, are you at Ethel? I said, yes, hello. Yes, voice Dr. Ethel here. I just want to say a big thank you for inspire, for impacting my husband. I used to ask him where he got some of these skills from. And he told me some time ago he was at your program. I just want to say thank you for you know impacting my boy. And that's when I know that, yes, I have arrived. <laughs> that's when you'll be grandma. Yes. <laughs> So that's when I know that, yes, I have a right uh, or an organization celebrating a young man who is making impact, who, who has great values and has used his values to change the organization altogether. And the name mentioned, and I'm like, oh, isn't this one of my alumni? And so that's what I'm waiting for. And I'm patiently waiting for it, you know. Okay. We, we know that that day will come when a lot of these issues that we, we face will be reduced uh, because you realize that, and you have a great point because women are now prepared and there are many opportunities for women to better themselves, to progress and do all sorts of things. But the men, they have opportunities to progress in certain fields, like even being an entrepreneur or in school or in business or in career and all that, because you find a lot of male leaders in industry and all that. But in terms of other soft skills, which they tend to term feminine, you, you, you don't find a lot of that. But what is interesting, though, is that male, men and women both have the feminine and the masculine traits. And we need a balance of both to be able to run our society. So, for example, if a man is the leader or a head of a corporation, they need to tap into some of the feminine skills um, to be able to engage workers, to nurture um, mentees, to be able to support people, influence them to grow in their career. And so it's not just about man trying to be manly, but it's about trying to find a great balance. Okay, great. Thank you very much. I know that you also do for grooming for women, ladies, young girls. girls. <laughs> Young girls, so tell me about that one. Okay, so I have a grooming program for girls and I have one for mothers. So with the girls, um, it's an annual affair. Um, I call We call the program Ambitious Young Queens. And so we want to see more ambitious women in the future. And so because I'm also preparing men to handle ambitious women. So, <laughs> so we have women that we expose um, them to um, women in STEM careers. So um, professors that were either too known for men, we let girls know that, hey, you can do it. You can, you can travel on, you can, you can go on a, a road less traveled 
you, you don't have to have any fears at all traveling on a road that has not been traveled by most people. Okay, so we expose them to women who are doing unique things. You know, those single, single women in unique areas. Uh -huh. So this is done every year. And then we, of, of course, we also acquaint them with the soft skills that we give the boys as well. You know, so it's more about just getting the girl to step out of her comfort zone. Don't follow the stereotypes um, for careers, you know, like you're a woman. So you have to, I'm not saying nursing is bad, but you're a woman. So you have to throw the line of nursing. You have to do the caring jobs. No, you can do other jobs. Be ambitious, that's all, you know. And then for the women, um, women who have transitioned from corporate into entrepreneurship, I give them a boost. I give them personal development and grooming because some women found themselves in entrepreneurship by accident. Yes, sometimes, maybe because of children, like me, my story, because of children, I just had to give a break on my corporate career. So I needed to learn hard on the job, what entrepreneurship really means, my finances. I was my own accountant, my marketing manager, my everything. So we tried to give women that boost, that confidence to step out there and market themselves. Okay, great initiative. It seems to be all rounded. Yes. You have to go and find the men and do a men's. <laughs> yes. We make sure that every year we celebrate International Men's Day. It's um, a, a, a day that's not celebrated widely yet, but um, it started from Trinidad and Tobago, so I'm partners with them. We have a few countries that celebrate it. We are hoping that one day the United Nations will recognize um, United, um, International Men's Day on their calendar so that we address the challenges of men. You know, if for a long time men are not really having that um, confidence that their needs are being met or their concerns are addressed, they also relax. But when there's a day that we celebrate their achievements, and we address their issues. I think that they want to do more. And um, there's a saying that the more you are celebrated or appreciated, the more you also give out, give more. Uh -huh. So I think that we should just make it a point to celebrate men as well so that they can give more. Okay. And it seems to, it seems now that you talk about it, it seems that men have also been branded a certain way yes. within the African um, culture and setting. And so they tend to relax and go according to that particular um, stereotype. Even though I think that within this generation, there are a few, Many standout men, men yes. who are actually changing and being more supportive and understanding the 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 role of the well, how did you tell me? You said a current queen, future ambitious, ambitious queen. Yes, 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 uh -huh. yes. So there are some men who yes. are yeah, those, yeah, those men must be called out and celebrated so that more men, younger men, will follow suit. Yes. yes, okay. So it's not all that gloomy that men are not performing their not at all. Not at all. I have an amazing father. He's, awesome. he's, he's done a lot of great work, support in school and all that. And so it's true what you say about celebrating the achievements of men because so now men has become synonymous with irresponsibility or runaway fathers. Exactly. Not all are like that. Not all are like that. There are some good ones who have... Um, Shining examples in society. I want to ask you a question about the girls' camp. When you take these girls in, what are some of the traits that you find that are not so positive? Like maybe issue with confidence, trying to. What is is it even easier to engage the boys than is it 
it is for the girls. What are some of the things that you see with these young girls when they come for the company? Today's girls are different. Um, they are naturally confident, they articulate, they, they know what they want. But it's so difficult to get what boys want, you know. Even when you ask the girl what she wants to do, she's more direct, you know. So that is why the challenge is going to be when we don't raise the boys right, they will meet a girl who knows what she wants, she knows the quality she wants in the man, and you know, so the man will just be there, it's like he's lost, okay. So I think that with the girls of today, the only issue with girls is when they get to the higher learning, now the confidence weighs down because of the little challenges, let's say menstru menstruation, when menstruation becomes like um, a dirty, um, how do I say, a taboo, or you know, not not respected okay you know that some girls don't go to school when they are menstruating because if she messes herself up they're ridiculing from boys and all that just gets her drowned for the whole day so when they get to the higher classes um it's when they, they, they their confidence weighs down so that is where my program is between seven years old to 12 when they have not it's a pre-puberty state so i i kind of invest more their confidence so that we educate them so that when they get to that point they don't let anything get them drowned you understand i think that sometimes girls don't get much information about puberty and so when the time comes sometimes they can't even have a trusted mother this busy mom their mother is so busy there's nobody else to give them that confidence i had i was lucky my mother gave me the confidence and so when I, when i was in that stage of my life when i was going through identity crisis she was very patient with me but we have very busy mothers today. They're not talking to their girls. The girls are talking to other girls. Other girls are telling them, oh, um, once you started menstruation, I saw a, a, a WhatsApp message a girl shared with another girl. She said she has started menstruation. And the other girl said, wow, good, good, good. This point, you should start visiting boys. Like, yes, you know, you should have, you have to taste um, a special apple. I'll show oh. you how it is. Yes, you know, so these are, bad friends who are unwitting girls who have started menstruating. So if the girl doesn't have it all together at home with her parents, she now thinks that her confidence is with a man who has to kind of break her virginity when she menstruates. And so we make sure that we give the girls all the information they need before menstruation starts, you know. So um, that, that age, that's 7 to 12, and now they are men start early, from 9, they started. So it's a very crucial stage to give them the boost, the shot, the vaccine, the confidence vaccine. That's when we should start. We shouldn't wait till they are in secondary school and then we are now following up on them. No, it must start early. Yes. It's, it's a very interesting point that you make here. And it's very true because I think that at an early age, girls are more confident. But as they go older, they tend to lose a lot of their confidence. And it actually even goes on so later on in life, and some girls think that their confidence comes from men, and you realize that later on in life, you see a lot of broken and unhappy women. Amate do actually says something interesting in, I think, Marriage of Anansuwa. She said that the day you marry, that is when they actually tell you what your real value is. Very sad. Very, very sad. That in the African um, society, you may grow up as a normal girl, um, confident, doing everything, maybe getting all the A's in class and all that. 
by the day you marry, that is when they will show you that your value is to be, I don't know what they call you, warm someone's bed, you cook for the person, and then that, and then you are not respected on top of it. That is um, something that, so I think that it's interesting you make that point of girls being confident at an early age, and then as it goes on, it plummets, and then it's actually, <laughs> there's a lot of work there's to do. There's a lot of work to do, but I think that the foundation stage is very, very important. important. Yeah. Keep them that confident with that now, you know, so that when they get there, they will remember some of the things that you put in their minds, in their heads. Children don't forget things, you know, so it's very important. Okay. Boys, doctor, yes, tell us what is your vision for the African young man and young lady? Tell me your vision for these ones that you are doing in the coaching. How do you envision the future? What does the future look like for you? Okay, so um, the future, I see an African man who respects the woman regardless of, you know, the fact that she can bear children, she's a, mar a married woman, she's a mother. You just respect women for who they are and that's why I'm investing so much in the boy child so that he'll give honor to the woman, the future woman, you know, that it's not about, you know, your achievement as a wife or as a mother, you know, but it's about what you offer or impact society with, you know. So we should appreciate men, women for their, you know, gifts and talents that they can use to help society. <laughs> for joining us today and we hope to see a great Africa. Thank you very much.